Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of Grace Point Church in Atlantic, Iowa. My name is Don McLean. I'm the senior pastor here at Grace Point. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can check us out at gracepointatlantic.com. And in the meantime, grab your Bible and check out this week's sermon. All right. So I've got a couple things I'd like to uh, share before we start. And first of all, uh, Cheryl and I would like to express our appreciation to you, our church, uh, and, and thanks uh, for your love and support with Cheryl's mom's passing. The texts, the cards, the emails, uh, all lifting us up over these past couple weeks. Uh, Pastor Don even meant, offered uh, that I could switch the sermon here and, and uh, not have to do a sermon today. And when I thought, I, I said, I think I'll be okay. He's like, yeah, but will Cheryl be okay? <laughs> if you're doing all that prep and everything this week? Uh, so... Cheryl and I talked, and the, the more that we thought about it, especially the theme of peace today, uh, it seemed very appropriate and almost like I should do the sermon this week. So Cheryl said, yeah, you better do this. We, ha- we had a great Thanksgiving with Cheryl's mom, our family together. We experienced a lot of God's peace over these two weeks, and there's a lot of blessings. Uh, so it seems appropriate to be sharing this morning. But one other thing before I start... Uh, in the back on the table in the fellowship hall, there's these little green cards, and I wanted to highlight these invitations. Um, as Pastor Don talked about hope last week, and we're talking about peace today, and then love and joy, uh, these are things that our community needs. They're gifts that we all need. And uh, this is an opportunity to share with the people that you're in contact with our Christmas service. Uh, when the, God's gift is, people are more open to God's gift during this time of year. And so share that Christmas Eve at Grace Point Church is at 5 o'clock on Christmas Eve. Uh, Share the opportunity to come on a Sunday morning uh, during our Advent series to share that peace, hope, joy, love. Uh, This card is a way just to say, we'd love to have you join us. Okay, so when I first started preparing this message, my introduction I was going to think back to one of those times that we all have when life is in chaos. There's so much to do, and maybe that's how you feel this Christmas season. I was actually thinking back, though, uh, to the time last spring when I was candidating for the church, and I had a sermon to prep here, and I was teaching in school, and I had seven IEP meetings to write and plan, and I was wrapping up the track season, and you all have the, your own version of these stories uh, where everything is just so busy and everything's due all at once. How's it all going to get done is the question I ask. And yet, for some reason, I had that sense of peace. I don't know how it's going to get done, but in three weeks, it's going to be taken care of and God's going to get me through it. But that's not the kind of peace we're talking about today. What we're talking about today is bigger than that. I get a daily devotion that comes on my computer, and there's a scripture passage followed by a, a commentary on it, and the day that I actually started writing this message, I thought before I started, I better read that devotion. So the commentaries this month have been focusing on stories from an inner city ministry in Chicago, and this was what was written on the commentary for the day that I was starting to write, and I'll, I'll just read part of it. Both Annette and her son, Lloyd, were born with disabilities and were often ignored by others. They worshipped at the Roseland Christian Ministries and worked in the food pantry, drop-in center, and thrift store for 30 years. When Annette moved into a nursing home, Lloyd tried to manage without his mother. 
In an act of innocent hospitality, Lloyd allowed some shady men to move into their family home for shelter. Soon, the men took over the house, and when Lloyd confronted them, they beat him to death. And I was prepping the sermon, and I said, where's the peace in that? Where's the peace in all that mess that's going on in Israel and Gaza right now, in the Middle East? Where's the peace in our own country, where we seem more divided than ever? Last week, when Pastor Don talked about the Romans and and Herod and the Jews, where's the peace there? Where's the peace when suddenly somebody dies unexpectedly, when you thought you had more time? I love the way the meditation that John and Carissa read this morning answers that question. And so I want to read part of it again. Jesus was sent by the Father to bring peace between God and man. Jesus doesn't come to smooth over our conflict or force us to lay down arms. Rather, he comes to die for sins that lie at the heart of our rebellion against him. To receive his peace this Christmas, come to him and surrender. Through this act of faith, receive his grace of forgiveness and peace. And so this morning, we're going to look at Mary's story to see a model of surrender in the midst of hard circumstances and learn how she found peace and joy so that we can learn to do that as well. Uh, Father God, help me this morning to uh, share the words that you've placed on my heart throughout this past couple weeks. Uh, Help me to be able to communicate your word. Help your words to enter all of our hearts and uh, be something that we can live and celebrate and share. We thank you, Lord, for your peace uh, that you make available to each of us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So, Dick read this morning uh, the story of Gabriel coming uh, to Mary to announce that she's going to have a baby, a son, a Messiah. We're going to look at that passage. We're going to look right after that time also, when Mary visits Elizabeth and their conversations together. So it starts out as Dick read, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel, I like that now, but <laughs> we, have a, we have a grandson named Gabriel now. Um, uh, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Okay, here's my time out. Is anybody like me? Has anybody ever wondered, how do we even know the Christmas story? Where do the gospel writers get their facts? They weren't there before Jesus was born. The disciples weren't there. How do they know? What happened? Who told Luke? I think the most likely answer is that Mary herself told Luke the Christmas story. When I flip back in my Bible to verse 3 of chapter 1, Luke says, Since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seemed good to me to write an orderly account. And so that's what I'm picturing. There's Luke sitting down with Mary years later and asking her, Tell me what happened. And we likely have here Mary's recollections, her thoughts, her fears, her hopes. Luke's got a basic question, but all those memories and the flood of her emotions would wash over her as she reflects back and begins to tell her story. I was just a young girl, mid-teens maybe. I lived in Nazareth. There was nothing special in Nazareth. 
think Marnie or Wyota. Just a small town in Galilee. I was a virgin. I followed God's laws. I was engaged, pledged to be married to Joseph. He was a good man, a descendant of King David. Do you remember that story I might have told you about, Elizabeth and Zechariah and that baby they were going to have? Six months later, that same angel, Gabriel, came to me. The angel just showed up and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. That freaked me out. What did that mean? Now, I don't think Mary used the words freaked me out. (laughs) But the point that I want you to think about, to picture, is that this was a real teenage girl. Here Mary is in this interview, years later, describing to Luke what had happened, and Luke summarized their conversation by saying she was greatly troubled and wondered what kind of greeting that might be. So why would that greeting trouble Mary? First of all, I think Don shared this before, angels have a way of creating fear. They were awesome. So Gabriel tries to reassure, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. And that may not have reassured her either. Uh, One commentator that I read suggested that this may have caused Mary even more concern. Mary was not seeking notice and recognition. She wasn't looking for praise or adoration. She was faithfully following after God and had trust that God was going to take care of Israel. But as a follower of Yahweh in Nazareth, she probably felt pretty insignificant. What did this angel want? She followed all the Old Testament rules, and her song in verses 46 through 55, it shows that she knew God's law and the prophets. But here's the big point. Because she knew the scriptures, Mary would also understand that God's blessings were not just for herself but a blessing from God would be given to bless others. The commentator stated it this way, the greater the blessing, the greater the responsibility. What would this blessing mean for Mary then? What was God revealing? How is God going to use her? So the angel continued in verse 31. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. These angels' words would have been understood to mean that this child was the long hoped for, the long expected Messiah. This was great news for the Israelite people. It's what Israel had been hoping for for centuries. God's promises to the people would be kept. As a faithful Jew, this is what Mary had hoped for as well. But for Mary, her world's about to change significantly. How will this be, Mary asked, since I'm a virgin? That's a question that sounds a lot like the one Zechariah asked last week, but with a critical difference, faith. Zechariah had questions about what God would do, and he asked for a sign. He said, how can I be sure of this? when the angel told Zechariah that he and Elizabeth were going to have a baby. Mary's question was in belief, not disbelief. How will this be? She was not questioning what the angel said, but was seeking understanding. What she had hoped for, for her people, what Israel hoped for, was coming true, and somehow God was going to use her. It just didn't make sense exactly how. And so the angel was willing to explain further, The mini lesson that I take from that 
is that God invites honest questioning. He invites honest questioning as long as we don't doubt him. He's often willing to help us understand, but he doesn't want us to doubt what he says or doubt him. So the angel basically communicates, there's going to be a miracle. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And then, even though Mary's question was asked in belief, the angel adds some details that I think was to strengthen her faith. Behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who is called barren, for nothing's impossible with God. It's not clear whether Mary knew this about Elizabeth already or not. My guess is not. But I think Mary would find this information from the angel encouraging. Verse 38, Mary says, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And so the angel departed from her. So what did Mary agree to? First of all, I don't think agreed is the right word. Mary submitted. She surrendered. God didn't ask her for permission. Would Mary have chosen this path herself? No one would look forward to what was being called for her. A baby out of wedlock? Would Joseph stand by her? Would he believe her? Would he abandon her? What about her family, her village? The penalty for adultery was stoning. God said this baby would come, but there were no promises with that of what this life would look like. It certainly wasn't the life she was dreaming about the day before. Mary submitted. She surrendered. And in that surrender, she would find peace. But maybe not yet, not immediately. She didn't know exactly what the future held, but for now, she trusted God. Right now, she would go see how God was working in her relative, in her cousin Elizabeth's life, with this news about the, her baby. So in verses 39 to 45, it says, In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. That's the story we did last week. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. She exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. Why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby leapt in my womb for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. I thought that last verse sounded a little wordy, so I looked it up in the NIV and said, and that last verse says, Blessed is she who has believed that, the, that what the Lord has said will be accomplished. That trip to Elizabeth's could not have been an easy trip for Mary to make. In many ways, that trip was similar to the trip she's going to make nine months later. Uh, the hill country of Judah was generally the area between Jerusalem and Bethlehem. So she traveled that 70 to 90 miles from Nazareth. Did she tell Joseph before she left what had happened with the angel? The Gospels aren't clear, but I'm guessing not. It seems more likely that he found out later. Did Mary travel alone? I'm guessing, I don't know. <laughs> I'm guessing that her brain was racing with all the possible scenarios playing out in her mind. By going to Elizabeth's home, uh, this saves Joseph the initial embarrassment of this news. 
Mary probably trusts God to communicate with Joseph as he had with her. But in the meantime, Mary doesn't want to damage Joseph's reputation in their small hometown. It seems like it's a good time to go see her cousin. Anyway, Mary gets to Elizabeth's home, and I see a couple takeaways from this part of the passage. First of all, there's some real very pro-life truths expressed in these verses. The baby in Elizabeth leapt for joy at the presence of Mary and her conceived child. This was not a piece of tissue. These were God-ordained babies and God-ordained pregnancies. It's uncomfortable to realize, I was thinking, if Mary and Elizabeth had been alive in the United States today, this unplanned pregnancy statistically would have had a one in, one in five chance of being ended. In Mary's case especially, many people in today's society would be urging Mary to think of her future. Think about her and Joseph. Just get rid of the problem. That's not how Mary thought about God's wonders. The second lesson from that part of the passage fits probably more directly with the theme of today's message, finding peace in hard times. Here we have a teenage girl, Mary, and a senior citizen woman, Elizabeth, both pregnant. Both were serving each other. Both were encouraging each other. Mary goes to see and serve Elizabeth, but Mary is truly seen and served by Elizabeth. We find peace in hard times when we're with others. Like Elizabeth, we share peace with others when we communicate God's truths to the people we're with. And that's what Elizabeth did. She, right away, she said, here's what I know about God and what God's doing. I don't know if Mary planned on telling Elizabeth about her pregnancy, but Mary didn't have to. Elizabeth knew the truth, and she shared how God was working. And with that encouragement, <coughs> Mary is led to express her own joy in these circumstances, quoting many of the Old Testament verses, offering complete praise to God. And this is what it says. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. He has looked on the humble estate of his servant. She's thinking about herself. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. Holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He's scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He's brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of the humble estate. He's filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he sent away empty. He's helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. Because of Mary's surrendering to God's will and with the encouragement of Elizabeth, Mary's able to find this peace and find joy beyond her circumstances. Her faith and hope in the promises of God are being realized, and that's what she quotes out of all these, all, a lot of those, what I just read are Old Testament verses that Mary was quoting in praise to God. Her dreams were being realized in ways that she never dreamed of. Finally, verse 56 tells us, Mary remained there with her for about three months and returned to her home. I think over that time, uh, she continued to serve and help Elizabeth, and, and she was strengthened and equipped to go back and follow God's plan and face Joseph too. And somewhere in that time, God did speak to Joseph 
and prepared him as well. That story is recorded in the book of Matthew. So the application points for this message are kind of a series of contrasts. One path leads to frustration and one leads to peace. So we can question God's plans or we can submit to God's authority. We can resist God's plans or we can surrender to his will. And, and I'm not picking on this half and saying this. No. <laughs> uh, we can worry about what the future will hold or we can move forward one step at a time. We can go it alone or we can reach out, encouraging and being encouraged. We can look to our own needs or we can serve others. We can complain about the difficulties or we can praise God for the blessings. We can look at the world and lose hope or we can look at God's promises and expect hope. 